everybody, I'm Roxy. And I'm Priska. And we are the, the two, two Homie Girls. We're just two horny goats climbing the mountain of life, eating Asian American stereotypes for breakfast. Ow! Hey, everybody, welcome to episode seven, where we will cover. Addictions. Addictions. This is a a fun episode, though, right? Yeah, this is totally fun and chill and like not. Yeah, no, I mean, we're just kidding. It's going to go into a roller coaster of emotions, just like every single episode we've ever done. Um, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Um, (laughs) no, it's definitely it's definitely a good one. It's something I've had on my mind for a while. And I think as you get into your 30s, I'm feeling like the consequences of a lot of the things that have been addictions in my life. So, yeah, a lot of those things. It's like, okay, we can't play no mo. Like my back hurts. My my liver hurts. I still feel young, even though my body doesn't feel that way anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's true. I, I feel like I have my days. Like some days I, I feel young and spry. And some days I'm like, I have liver shadow pains. You know, I don't even know if it's really liver pains, but I feel like it's liver pains in my head. It's liver pains. So, yeah. so well, it's <laughs> liver pains. Before we go into our own personal experiences regarding mm-hmm. this topic, the world is on fire right now, right? The world Prisca? is on fire. You know, right now it's the middle of September and out our window is just it's orange it's just an orange hazy glow in in LA and in all over the west coast I would assume um, I actually just had some friends uh, living up in southern Oregon where my husband and I spent a good part of last year and they they have 20 staff members from Oregon Shakespeare Festival who have lost their homes oh my god 20 people who have worked in live theater who have been laid off from their jobs and now they uh, in the middle of a pandemic they're they're fucking homeless rocks it's crazy. Jeez. Yeah. Like, I literally don't know what to say to that. Yeah. Because it's just like, I feel like this year is just challenge after challenge. Yeah. Like, yeah. you recover from something is just another layer of difficulty. Like, we hope that all of you guys are hanging in there, you know, in terms yeah. of what's happening right now. Like, I'm lucky I'm not in L.A. right now. But just like mm-hmm. on Monday, Priscilla, I told you there was this giant windstorm that was like extremely dangerous oh here in Salt Lake City. And like um, there was like a giant like street lamp that fell over. There was a giant tree that like fell outside my house. And oh like, my gosh, the conditions were so severe that, um, you know, we were all told to stay home. The traffic lights were out. There was devastation wow. everywhere and like no power for a whole day and like no and like even my data wasn't working all the networks were down so we tried we to were, take a facetime call and we literally kept getting kicked off do you oh, remember that after yeah <laughs> like after a minute yeah it was just like insane like the the earth is suffering such extreme polar extremities right now yeah so wherever you are wherever you're listening to this whether you're in new york that's slowly reopening or if you're on mm-hmm. the west coast and you're kind of just literally coasting through the gates of hell we hope you're safe we hope you're staying sane um and hopefully we have a little fun today together a little bit of fun how's that yeah, we miss we you guys it. we miss you guys uh, we wish we were like all in one room drinking shots together because i feel like that's what we need but also that'd be fueling my addiction so yeah. maybe <laughs> <laughs> we're so only human we're only human and like yeah. moderation is key right but roxy i know you alluded to it uh, briefly but where the fuck in the world are you i'm currently in salt lake city utah mm-hmm. i'm in pre-production on this facebook watch series that um, is shooting in two weeks and things oh are God. ramping up it's getting a little bit crazy and i will say adjusting back to well i'm in isolation so it's like 
like everybody else gets to work at the office, but me and the actors have to self quarantine because oh. they can't risk anything happening to us, um, which I understand. Uh, so I'm just working remotely, um, which is very interesting when you're in pre-production for yeah. Um, you know, like a TV show, because like you can't just be in the same room, you know, walking out, blocking or like, you know, yeah. getting creative, like figuring out stuff like uh, y- you just have to adjust to a new way of doing things. And yeah. um, and you're the boss bitch like you are the <laughs> boss. So it's like hard to kind of command that when you're remote, but you're doing it. Yeah, I feel like we have to, you yeah. know, it's just seriously a year of adjustments. Totally. Wow. Well, okay. I know that um, SoCal, we just suffered one of our worst heat waves of all time. Like it was Mm -hmm. 111 degrees. But I hear from you that in Utah, it's feeling a little more like fall. Um, How is that? I mean, it was crazy. On Monday, when that giant windstorm came, it dropped 60 degrees overnight. And to all those naysayers who say that climate change is not real and it's going back to the 90s again tomorrow. Oh, my God. So... We're talking about extremities like this is it. But like, I can't even imagine what it was like to be 112 degrees in Los Angeles. Like, what was that like, Prisca? Like, did it affect you in more ways than just the physical aspect? Like, tell me. I mean, I was like chugging water, but like Uh peeing every second and just exhausted. And once you go outside, you're just like zapped of energy. And I I wish I like cooked an egg on the on the asphalt because like you totally could have, you know, it was like definitely that hot. And it just felt wrong. Like, you know, you know, we grew up like in the 909 area, which is east of L.A., which temperatures above 100, 105 was pretty normal for us, I would say. Mm -hmm. But in L.A., like L.A. proper, this is unprecedented. Like, and I know we've used that word all year round, you know, unprecedented. But at the same time, like it. It's still like all these like fucking 2020 just keeps cropping up with things that you're like, oh, that'll never happen. Like that'll never be an issue. But all of a sudden it's like, you know, you know what I was thinking about was like the homeless people, because like all the water fountains have like been removed because of covid. Right. So how are they getting their water and stuff? I know that L.A. set up a fair amount of cooling stations. I don't Mm. know exactly how that works, but hopefully people were able to get into them, even though. It's COVID. It's like, dude, you can still die from heat exhaustion. So hopefully they got the water and the, you know, the te- the temperatures that they needed. Um, and I know a lot of people were kind of doing food drives for people over the weekend um, of just like great. things that people might need. But yeah, what was so growing up, you know, to kind of take it on a slightly lighter note to just get things going. Um, what was autumn like as a SoCal kid? Because I feel like I see like on Tumblr and shit or used to see on Tumblr, like, you know, girls dressed up in scarves and like boots <laughs> and like beanies. But we were SoCal kids. So like, well, you were in Jersey for a little bit. So maybe tell me about the contrast of being a SoCal kid and not really experiencing fall. I I just think it's really funny when like SoCal girls talk about fall. It's like 76 degrees. And let me get out my boots and let me get out my scarves and my pumpkin spice latte. And like, I know my PSL. And then like there are the the, the fall colors barely exist. You know what I mean? It's like a palm tree. It's not turning any color. It's not turning any color. And then like compared to the East Coast where you experience like very rich gradients, like, you know, when you visit New York, like it's like an eyegasm. You know what I mean? Oh, so many eyegasms. Yeah. So many. And even now here in Utah, I'm seeing like these beautiful colors come in and I'm just like, wow, this is what real fall is like. But I feel like it's a branding thing in SoCal. (laughs) It's totally just a branding thing. I mean, what isn't a branding thing in L.A., you know? Yeah, everything's branded. I can't wait for fall. My big fluffy sweater. I'm like, it's 112 degrees. I mean, I, you know, no shame, but I was totally that girl. I like loved to layer and like put on a puffy ass vest and be the one like sweating in the back of the classroom because, yeah, like you said, it'd be like 
100 degrees outside <laughs> in the middle of October like or whatever, you know? You do um, have excellent fall fashion, though, Prisca. I gotta you. tell you that. I mean, I never met a plaid shirt I didn't love. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and your big scarves, your turtlenecks, and, like, your oh, boots and I, everything, your I leggings. Know. Here's, I guess here's a fun fact about me. I own, like, seven pairs of rain boots because rain boots are always on sale at Nordstrom Rack in L.A. because nobody needs rain boots. It's not that, you know what I mean? It's not that it's like, oh, my God, they, they sold so quickly. We need to get the next batch in before we get new inventory. No, it's because no inventory is moving. But I love rain boots. I loved finally living somewhere where I needed rain boots in Ashland and New York. And I love like splish splashing in a fucking puddle and feeling like you're on top of the world and like nothing can touch you. You're like, like your pants are getting wet. I am the Morton Salt fucking girl. Like, give me a yellow umbrella. I'm ready to go, bitch. Like, you know. So anyway, I think I was born Another in the Another branding opportunity for two horny goats is Priscilla as, as the Morton Salt. Salt girl. I, I always thought they needed more diversity. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, Morton Salt, if you need us, yeah. sponsor us. Get us. Get us. Our email is hello at two horny goats. <laughs> but like legitimately, I have like reverse seasonal affective disorder. Like when it's hot like this, I feel like it's oppressive. I get mm-hmm. depressed. I get like really like lethargic. I'm just like a I'm like, um, I don't know, silly putty that's just like kind of melts off the couch. That's me in the summertime. But in the winter, once it's like below 60, 50 degrees, I'm like, whoa, like, here's my weather, peeps. Like, I'm ready to go. You know, Well, also you're a Capricorn and we were born in the wintertime. So this is naturally our element. It's our element. It's just where we belong. You know, exactly. it's why I love Christmas. But, you know, anyway. So growing up, I had a lot. I, I thought I spoke really good English. Did, did you feel like you spoke good English, especially once you kind of? Yeah, because I wanted to excel at everything. I wanted to be the best at everything. I wanted to be the best English learner ever. ever. But the awkward yeah. thing about growing up with parents that are also immigrants is you could be making mistakes as a household that you don't realize until you're a lot older. Oh, so, true. So, you know, me and my sisters, the three of us, like we are, we're, we're, we're born in the U.S. Um, my, my parents, you know, were immigrants. And so we all kind of spoke this weird Chinglish combination. But mm-hmm. there are certain words that I was, you know, I was like pretty like arrogant over my parents. Like, guys, you don't know English like we do, like chill, you know. But then one day I think my sister was at a party and she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. They're playing like beer pong. And she's like, I won. And everyone there laughed at her. And um, she told me the story and I was like uh I don't understand like what's wrong with Juan and she was like well everyone was laughing at me they're like do you say Juan because of wonton and she was like I don't understand like we've been saying Juan our whole life but we looked it up and we had to like look it up on like YouTube and it's one that's how you pronounce like I won (laughs) wait a second I honestly (laughs) thought that that was justified like I would say I won I would say that I I would say that is this Okay, readers, uh, readers, dear listeners, please let us know <laughs> if you've run into this conundrum before. I because, won. yeah, I won. I won. Like the fucking like the people one. are just way too anal about shit. You know, I know what I she's know. saying. That's good enough. You know what I'm saying? That, like, right, right. Um, yeah. And then, like, words like often, like, you're supposed to say often, but a lot of people say often. But then you read up on it and it's like linguistically, it kind of doesn't matter. So you can is say it exactly or is it exactly? I don't know that one exactly. I, I, I get triggered for some reason when people say exactly <laughs> oh, with the T in it. Oh, it's like exactly. Too much? Exactly. And oh. I'm like, 
Exactly. You know, exactly. I feel like I'm a cheater. I think Shortcuts that's our SoCal thing. Oh. You know what I mean? Because we kind of like are like we kind of drop our voices and like it's a little more flat at the bottom. And it's like, yeah, dude. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Totally. Exactly. I guess it's just my lazy way of like trying to shortcut my enunciation. Enunciate. Whatever. Enunciation. <laughs> what, what was a word you didn't realize you were pronouncing wrong? I always said European. But apparently... <laughs> No. <laughs> no, I called myself European, and people are like, "No, it's European," and I'm like, "You European. are European. <laughs> you are European." I was like, "How? You're that does pian. not sound good." It's like <laughs> European over there. You know what I mean? I'm like, "Oh, European just sounds more exotic." You know it, what I mean? You know, to be fair, it does sound very sophisticated. Thank you. I'm European. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. I'm European. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like if I just give myself an interesting accent, it'll just give me an out for everything that I'm. Saying wrong. I, I I always say that's the way to go. You know what I mean? Just pretend either pretend you don't speak English or pretend you have a weird accent. That's oh like God, the Priscilla, two ways I gotta to get tell you things. this one thing. What, what, what? Okay, so one time I was watching this YouTube video and yeah. like you know the word insatiable. Uh-huh. This girl was pronouncing it insatiable. <gasps> Maybe you're insatiable. And I'm like, what the fuck is insatiable? And then I like Oh my god, she's trying to say insatiable. That's such like a Michael Scott move, like from The Office. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's totally. like, maybe next time you but will she estimate was me it with utter confidence. Oh, see, that's the thing. Was she? Was she Asian? No. Okay. I'm not going to so. say anything more about that. Okay. But, but, you know, it's like <laughs> no. But you know what? To be fair, like uh, th- that's another thing that I noticed is like a lot of you know because I like to read. I, I'm you know. I read, <laughs> uh, but like there's certain words that I've read a lot and I know the meaning of because they've been on like vocab tests or I've looked it up or whatever. Oh, for sure. But yeah. I don't actually know how to say it. Like a couple of these words now I know, but these, these took a while is like rapport. Like when I would read it, I'd be like rapport. <laughs> Um, or foliage, like I was like foliage, 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 and then um, I don't even. I, I'm probably still saying this wrong, but mouth, <laughs> mouth. I hate this. Mouth. I don't know how to say it either. Mouth. Oh, it's mouth. It's totally mouth. <laughs> See, I still don't get it. And then respite, respite. I know, but it's respite. Oh, I didn't know that. How about this word? I always pronounced um, aberrant. Aberrant? Abhorrent or aberrant? I abhor. I abhor that. (laughs) Abhor. (laughs) Abhor. English is hard. English is so hard. Everybody that's listening just know that Priscilla and I are extremely intelligent, sophisticated. And you guys have tuned into us having these intellectual conversations for a couple of episodes now. We're so smart. Um, And so, on that note, we're going to talk about how we lost so many brain cells in topic one (laughs) substance experimentation. Insert like rave music. (laughs) Prisca, well, you know, you grew up in a very conservative, controlling sort of background with really high expectations. And you were sort of like a goody two shoes until (laughs) college, too. Yeah. Yes. Weren't you? Yes, I was also a goody two shoes until my parents left. And then I went wild. It's like Prisca and Roxy gone Gone wild. Gone wild. 
God, wait, yeah. so you never drank in high school or anything? No, I was the good kid. I oh was fucking gosh. boring, dude. Oh my gosh. Okay, let's talk about you. So, no, so, let's talk about you. No, let's talk about you. No, let's no, talk about okay, you. You're okay, really me. Much more, no, you're, yeah, your no, is no, more yeah. interesting. You oh, go first. Okay, I'm so boring. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not. No, okay, so... <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, my parents can never listen to this because otherwise they'll, <laughs> they'll kill me. But, um, when I was younger, you know, the only sip of wine I ever had was during communion and my sisters and I would joke around and like our church would use, um, dumpling skins toasted Ew. in like an oven as the bread during communion because it was technically unleavened like dough. So my grandmother was like in charge of like pressing a bunch of like dumpling skins together and then push putting it into the toaster oven um, and then breaking that out for breaking of bread, which is, you know, you take the bread, you take the wine. It's like Jesus's body, Jesus's blood. But then our um, church would actually use Manischewitz wine. And my mom always says that there was this one day a homeless man came in and he sat at the front of the church and he chugged. He was like the first person to be given the wine and he chugged the entire glass himself. So she's like, after that, um, you have to be baptized to anyway. Uh, so anyway, that's that was my first taste of wine. And I do remember one time I was at church late because we were at church all the time. I was at church late and I was pretty much like alone with my sisters. And I ran into the church kitchen and I poured myself like like a, a pint glass worth of Manischewitz. And I don't actually remember how much I drank, but I chugged a good amount of it. And um took my piano lesson and then took a nap like <laughs> <laughs> wait what that was yeah. it you that just was it. fell asleep I just, I, um, i'm what? telling you i wish i was like more destructive or i had like a dark mysterious side i don't i chugged <laughs> the manischewitz i felt a little bit like lightheaded um did my piano lesson and then took a nap and and you no know way yeah. you excelled in your piano lesson were you completely functional I, you know i i felt like i was stevie wonder you know no <laughs> but i i think that's what and i realize now that i'm saying this my first like drinking experience very much so mirrors my current drinking experience which is i am like the most responsible drunk person um, like every time I wake up, I'm like, oh, my God, where are my keys? They're always on the hook. Where are my clothes? They're always folded and put away. Like, I'm oh my probably, God, I'm the same way, too. I'm the same way. I'm like my phone, my keys, you always, know, always, always charged my, my wallet. Where are they? Yeah. yeah. And you're always like looking after everybody. Right. It's such a Capricorn always. thing. Oh, such a Capricorn thing. <laughs> I Yeah. Anyway. So. I, OK. So but other than that, I never drank. I like never, never drank. That was my one experiment. I wasn't feeling it. Um, I didn't drink until my 21st birthday. So I didn't touch a drop of anything until my 21st birthday. Shut up. Your sense of self-control like in like what? Yeah. I And I went to England. So it was legal. It was legal for me to drink before the mm -hmm. age of 21. Um, but I just remember thinking, I was like, I'm not ready for it yet. Yeah, I just didn't feel ready. I don't know if it was wow. mature or douchey or whatever it was or just <laughs> fear based, you know, but I was like, I would just drink Coke on tap and everyone was super nice to me about it. And um, I have no regrets, um, but I do sometimes wonder what like being part of like Cambridge drinking culture was. Oh and my God, I don't when know. I did the Cambridge program, <laughs> I was fucky. I just went all in Ain't oh my shit. god wait okay so what was so it? many people oh. drank every night so many crooked teeth am i right <laughs> <laughs> like um i don't even remember friends, most of them <laughs> my friends and i used to joke like all the attractive british people are on film and tv because when you go there you're like where are all the attractive people and you know it doesn't matter because their accent just makes up for all of it their accent can make up for a lot yeah. But not everything. 
but I know. But then also <laughs> we were in Cambridge, so there's a lot of like Oxford people. There's a lot of like really smart people, lots right. of like students, and you just start talking to them. I'm just like, well, I just got a lady puddle, and yes. it just doesn't matter. Your mm-hmm. cricket teeth, I don't care. I like you eat weird stuff like mashed peas and roasted apples, but you, know, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. So much, so much marjoram. I'm like, really marjoram on this too? <laughs> like so much marjoram. But like, yeah, I mean, I wish guys in America wore more cardigans because that shit is hot. It is hot. Yeah. Um, so what was it like for you? So you got to college and you yeah. were like, Woohoo! No, I was ready. I was ready. <laughs> I would have been such a goody two shoes. Yeah. The only child trying to be like the prime, you wow. know, golden child that my parents wanted to be. And then the moment they left, I was like in I didn't even dorm properly. I was in Campus Village with all the grad students. You were in C V? I was in C V, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I didn't dorm. So like I was in these like super adult apartments. There was about like, I don't know, a handful of us first years I got put in there. And I remember yeah. there was this guy named David. And he um, he and I were sort of like we, there was like we were all just friends because we didn't have a dorm experience wow. and he never got drunk before. I never got drunk before. And then we we're like, yo, there's just like a bottle of Grey Goose here. How about let's just sit here and drink as much as we can and see what happens. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'm down. And then we just took shot after shot. Next thing I knew, <gasps> like my RA and a bunch of <gasps> the other like students were like, I was in the bathroom. They were holding my hair back. I was vomiting all over his tub. David was like laughing his ass off somewhere (laughs) in the living room, just like just goofily smiling and like super drunk. And I was just like throwing up my insides. And I'm like, this is what alcohol is. This is not fun at all. Oh my God. Uh, I know. But then I kept doing it. So, you know, (laughs) what did you what did you feel like you enjoyed about it? Uh, that first time, um, obviously I just, I was just like, you know, it's me and him. It's a safe space because we both never done it before. And we're just like, let's just see where this takes us. Mm-hmm. And then I got super sick. I don't know what the fuck he was doing. My <laughs> RA felt really responsible for me. <laughs> He's just holding up my hair. I was like, this is love. I was like, yeah. I feel so loved oh, and supported. That's you so know? sweet. That's actually really, really sweet. Well, and I it's know. funny because I feel like Gen Z drags um, millennials. Thanks, Gen Z. We appreciate <laughs> you for just being like alcoholics, you know, and I'm like, how dare you? Oh, no, <laughs> you, true. Right. you we are right. the generation of excess. Yeah, definitely. You know? hundred percent. And um, I, I think it's funny because, you know, I grew up in a super Christian household. And uh, I think the reason why I even like got into music was because um, they would go for Xiaoye like after yeah. um after work, uh, practice so that, yeah. that means like a late night snack uh-huh. whether it's to get boba or to get um like you know um there's this pl- place in uh the 626 called uh Shaolutz, and it was just kanji it was like a kanji place and then you and then they have like kind of a cafeteria style thing where you can get all the side dishes and then all the like worship people would come and we'd eat and drink boba and it was like i was like oh my god i love this you know, and I think that's like why I got into music. But once I started kind of drinking, I was like, oh, like you get to do this all the time. Like you get to like hang out with people and they're in a relaxed state because you've been drinking and then we could go like eat late night greasy food. I was like, there's nothing I love more than this. So I think it was like the community aspect because then I started yeah. um, dancing with MCIA, you know, the dance mm. team. And then I started like pledging FIO and I realized that, you know, party culture was so big in college, but also you got better at it people were more uninhibited uninhibited I can't even say that word right inhibited around each other and like I was I realized that it was just catharsis Mm, interesting yeah it's just like everything that you oppressed or restrained like 
it all came out. Yeah. You know, same way with with women who, you know, probably married really early, divorced in their 30s and mm-hmm. like decided to go wild because of all that oppression. Right. Yeah. So then I just I just remembered that, like, I got drunk all the time. Then you started holding in your liquor. Then you started realizing who you are. Were you always crying? Right. You know, were you always having heart to hearts? Like, were you just yourself? But times 10. Yeah. Like, what kind of drunk are you? you? What kind I'm, of a drunk are yeah. you? Yeah. What kind of drunk are you? Because I know. But tell the people. <laughs> I am myself times 10. <laughs> I'm just always really happy. Yes. I used to cry a lot. Yeah. But that was like a different time in my life. Well, and I think crying juice. So, you know. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I cried all the time. <laughs> like I cried all the time. Whoa. And But I think UCI actually created a very healthy substance environment because, oh, you know, um, SPOP and everything, like everybody oh, yeah. was very much about like taking care of each other mm-hmm. and like seeing each other and like trying to foster a nurturing environment while yeah. allowing you to be yourself. So I was really like, I really like, you know, UC Irvine's vibe. Yeah. about that stuff sure. because at least you get to experiment and discover other aspects of yourself. I do remember people telling me pretty often because I had I you know I was like a very churchy girl like I was like a worship leader and um like led a small group but I had a lot of friends from a lot of places and mm-hmm. they would always tell me like it's just different like once you party with someone you're close to them in a way like you can't be like when you don't party with them and I was like oh like I didn't understand what that meant. I don't think that's a hundred percent true because I think being sober is like totally a fine way to make connections for sure but there's something about that bonding experience that is kind of like you can't recreate it's that beautiful it's kind of beautiful yeah you go to vegas and all that stuff oh, did you go to vegas, vegas? oh yeah the second i turned 21 i feel like i went to <laughs> vegas like seven times that first year <laughs> wait you gotta tell me about your 21st birthday because that's when you know everything you just threw it all to the wall right you're gonna be so mad i was so classy <laughs> I was such a douche. No, I I got all my friends to drive down from Irvine to San Diego to go to George's, um, this like restaurant in San Diego in La Jolla overlooking the water. And it was like maybe like uh, it was like fancy ass California modern like food. Um, Uh And I ordered a glass of wine. Um, We got like a few bottles for the table. I got a free screwdriver from the bartender. I got pleasantly drunk, had my sister drive me home an hour and a half, had a nice little sleepover in our PJs with my friends and went to sleep. That was my 21st birthday. Sounds like something we would do in our 30s. I've been 30. I've been ready to be 30 for 10 years. I've been ready. No, but Priscilla, like when we lived together, yeah you were very different we, yeah we were wild yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean there was a few nights we didn't end up at mcdonald's you know i know and then yeah. we, we drank a lot yeah i would definitely say i learned how to drink when i was working at a startup um mm-hmm. i worked at a startup and these two these two guys who are great people pretty good friends now my friend austin who you know he's kind of like the big white brother i've never had you know and then <laughs> my friend lewis who's now living um in japan but they like i was like um, we would go down to the bar, you know, it's 5 p.m. And my, my friend would be like, it's happy hour. Close your computer. We're going downstairs. Right. And it'd be the ye old King's Head in Santa Monica, which is. Oh, my God. I fucking love that place. Praise the Lord for places like that, you know. And also, if you want to meet a cute British boy, I think that's where you got to go, because that's where all the like people from England go there because that's where they think they're supposed to go. It's super. It's like us. Weird. Trust us. Based on our Cambridge experiences, yeah. we also recommend yield. Just, yeah, just listen for the Santa accents, Monica. you know, but we would go there and I'd be like, uh, 
um he's like what are you ordering i'm like um i um i'm midori sour he's like you're getting an old-fashioned and you're gonna like it this is also when mad men was like at the height so every guy in their you know in their like 20s and 30s were drinking old fashions um and i started drinking old fashions and then it started and then it was like a whiskey soda and then it was just whiskey and then it was scotch and now i'm like if it has a drop of anything else in it i'm like um excuse me i would like to grow the chest hair like please <laughs> don't inhibit me from growing my chest hair um glenn fittig yeah let's go balvini um we should add that good stuff girl look at your taste it's definitely elevated girl like and then um when i was i I ran a a music program at hotel indigo for about a year in 2018 and we would get two free drinks and it didn't matter what shelf it was off of (gasps) and so i would be like highland park hibiki like give me that balvini oh 12 year no let's go to 14 year bitch like you know oh my god you really know how to treat yourself girl i don't mess around (laughs) I know it's like it's like if you ever want to take out Prisca you take her to the best uni place and you also take her to uh, Jackalope which is like that secret whiskey bar my chair is soaked right now Roxy (laughs) my chair is soaked Um, but did things ever kind of get weird with with substance use for you in terms of like drinking too much, ending up somewhere or smoking too much and Mm, feeling unaware I I have this thing in my head I feel like like I I never let myself fully lose control mm-hmm. which yeah. is like I think anytime I did go over it's alcohol but I'm usually with my friends yeah and like if it's drug use like ecstasy or like weed like that was always in a safer space like I remember when I first started smoking weed um I really didn't like it that much and it's still it's still something that I don't really do it's not your favorite in, in my present day life yeah I only use it if I need to go to sleep um you know just take some Indica or whatever, but I remembered I was in Campus Village hey, and I made friends with a third year named Chris. And he's like a total pothead. Wow. And uh, but I really, 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 you know, had a good time with him. He's a good friend of mine. And he's just like, yo, you never got high. I'm like, I don't think so, dude. And he's like, you're going to come to my place. And he's like, we're going to smoke you out and we're going to get you high. And then I remembered he just like I just kept, you know, taking hit after hit. And then pretty soon he like scratched my arm (gasps) and he was just like, do you feel that? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, do you feel that I'm scratching your arm over and over again that I'm not touching you? And I was like, oh, you are. He like knew you're fucking high. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so high. Um, But I don't like, I don't, I still don't really like weed that much because I go inwards and I become very antisocial. I get super in my head. Yeah. It's Um, not a group activity. No. Same for me. Not at all. Yeah. Um, But I do, my big drug in college was ecstasy. And that like really came from, have you ever tried X? I haven't yet, actually. I, and now I want to, I was very like, I had a couple experiences that made me very afraid of getting out of my head or out of my body. Um, And so I haven't, but now I'm like in a better place and have dealt with my anxiety a lot more. And I want to try it. I don't give any fucks anymore. That's I think the biggest thing that's changed about me. You know what I mean? I used to give too many fucks, like a thousand and seven fucks per day, (laughs) you know, and I would like log it on a sheet of paper. And now I give no fucks. And it's much it's a much more free way to live. You know, I'm very Um, proud of you. Thank you. But so what was your first time trying X like? So a friend named Jason Suge was up like one of my best friends. I I know he's the best. And um, one of your early short films. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. He's very much a part of my life and, you know, just about everything back when we were in college. And um, we were on MCIA together. He's two years older than me. And I remembered like, you know, there was a rave culture 
you know, yeah. at UCI. And then I just never entered that before. And then he's like, you were, I'm going to do a house roll. He's like, you're going to come through. A lot of our friends are going to be there and we're going to take your ecstasy virginity. And I was like, I don't <gasps> want to. And he goes, no, you're going, and, you know, he was like in a frat at the time. He was very like frat bro And he's just like, left me no choice. And I said, okay, I guess I'll go. And he's like, relax, you're going to have a good time. Wow. And then I remembered we went to his house and there were a couple of our friends there from the dance team. And then everybody got a pill and then we just went cheers and bye, everybody have a great night. And then like I took it and then, you know, your, your mind's battling everything because it's just like you don't know what it's going to be like. Yeah. So it's resisting. And I remembered feeling like I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything right. like I don't know what this is but I'm not feeling it and everyone's like starting to relax and like have fun you know and then Kiyoshi <laughs> Kiyoshi BB um, you know he came over he goes hi boo boo how you doing I'm like I don't know I'm not feeling anything and all he did like I remember Chris scratched my arm when I first did weed and then like Kiyoshi ran his hand up my thigh <gasps> and then I was just like holy shit oh my god what just happened and then like the rest of the night I just let go like we were doing light shows. I appreciated trance music like I've never heard before. I was like in space. Wow. People were giving you massages. And I will say this about the rave culture back when I was in it mm-hmm. was that it's very much like a family. Like those who are new, you take care of them. Right, right. Like, you know, the ones who are more seasoned know what to expect. And so you're always like giving massages. It's a very sensual experience. It's not sexual, you yeah. know, but it's very intimate, which, um, You know, going back to what you were saying about like, oh, connecting people through drug use. I think it's true to some level because Mm -hmm. like your walls are down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I will say that I've developed friendships with people that I never would have if I didn't take substances with them. Because I mean, it sounds like you've had some really good guides every time you've like gone down a Mm -hmm. certain road. You know what I mean? Like you've had really good guides to kind of meet you there and take you through each step, which I think is so important because if you don't have that, it can really... Um, make a potentially magical mind altering experience really negative. Your time to share, Prisca. Oh, well, you have a very, yeah, because I always make sure that like I'm not in a public space, you know, like my first time, like I know what to expect. I, I, I know, you know, but you have very different experiences from yeah, me. I, I think um, I was very, very, very cautious. Like I'm a very cautious person and I like you, I'm like, I don't like to lose control. I don't like right. to, you know what I mean? Be, um, I don't really easily trust strangers. I don't mind being the babysitter. So I'm much happier in that role, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I dated a guy for for a few years in my early 20s. And he was kind of, you know, he's not a terrible person. I'm not trying to assassinate his character, but he was an oddball. I would definitely say he was odd um, and he was a, a contrarian. Um, and he loved drugs, which um, now looking back, I'm like, yeah, of course, he was 24. He loved drugs. That makes sense. But at the time, it, it made me really, you know, I, I wasn't so comfortable with it. Right. Um, but, you know, he was kind of like pressuring me um, in certain ways to keep trying things and, and, and expanding my mind and doing different things. And so um, I wouldn't have done it probably for anyone except for him, because mm-hmm. um, you remember, I was like so so sprung you know um i i was like stupidly into him you, you know were very open to new experiences though prisca i feel like that was your mind was getting open to a lot of things you were being yeah. very open about a lot of which things which is good which i think yeah, is really good, good. Yeah. yeah um so one of the first times i got high was um my ex like he got like weed cookies um and you know he, i was like oh like 
how, how much like do we take like a little bite or whatever and then he just shoved an entire piece in my mouth <gasps> and then I started to like freak out and then he left he was like okay I gotta go and so I'm just like shivering in the dark like feeling Wait, so high you had an edible by yourself yeah I had an edible he and just left <laughs> yeah he just bounced and what then the I fuck? ended up like vomiting all night which can sometimes happen if you yeah. like you know what I mean um have too much or like aren't feeling it or have a bad trip or whatever I was vomiting all night and I was like high for a few days but and so suffice it to say I was not into edibles for a very long time like maybe in the past two three years I've gotten back into them but yeah. because of that first experience like I I I wasn't into it but so my ex wanted to keep trying different drugs and he was really into like finding different new like drugs made by people and like ordered you know directly from from someone on the internet and they like send it to you um it, like not exactly dark web stuff but dark web adjacent type of stuff what yeah and so he found this like substance um called foxy which is supposed to like i guess kind of like um be like a sexual awakening drug or like make you feel really good so i don't know it's not quite like ecstasy but in the like aphrodisiac kind of yeah. yeah like it makes everything feel good it makes everything feel heightened you know and he was right. like i really want to try it i was like you know like feel free to order it feel free to try it like i support you but i don't want to do it like i was very mm -hmm. clear i was like i'll take care of you i'll be there for you i i don't care but i don't want to do it um and so my my ex his family owned um a high mountain tea uh company um it's the one one of the few things that i missed was i got high quality oolong tea all the time like anytime but at his house we would do cupping sessions um like so we would taste a ton of tea we would you know uh, if they had a new um tea leaf coming out like a new you know flavor or or line or a different type of fermentation we would try it and we would do like not just one or two or three steeps, but like 10 steeps or 12 steeps just to see every level, like, you know, kind of um, just taste testing everything in their lineup. And so it was very normal for me to like get something from him and to take a sip at his house. It was very normal, right? Because we were constantly tasting tea. And so one day he comes into his room and he gives me a cup of tea um, or what I thought was tea or juice. And I was like, God, that tastes really awful. Like, what is that? And he was like, oh, it's that drug I told you about. And I was like, what? Um, and so like for the first like 15 minutes, I was just like really upset, but like trying to be cool. That's I, really I just fucked feel like, up though. He did that without your consent. Exactly. And I don't think I realized how awful or how bad it was until more recently. Cause at the time I was like, just be cool. Just be no. cool. Just be a cool chick. Yeah, you know what no I mean? Way. And then I spent the next hour trying to throw everything up, but it, it was already like too yeah. late, you know? Um, and I like was caught in this loop, um, where I would. I would come to and be like, I need to throw up. And then I would throw up and nothing would come out of my stomach. And then I would realize, oh my God, I've already thrown up. And then I would loop and be like, I need to throw up. And then I would start to throw up and nothing Holy would come shit, out. And I'd be like, terrifying. oh my God, I've already thrown up. Yeah. So I guess what happened was he accidentally triple dosed <gasps> me. And then we looked it up and like this drug, like at a certain capacity will end up being like acid or like LSD to have that kind of effect. So all of a sudden, like my entire world started wobbling and I started to see between the seconds and like on the wall, like on the ceiling, you know, where the like the, the popcorn uh, stuff, uh, uh, popcorn yeah. ceiling. Yeah. Started to turn into full on like Sherlock style, like fight scenes, you know, which all of this 
could have been super fun if I was like mentally prepared for it. But I like wasn't mentally prepared. I was really, really terrified. I was trying to get out of it. And it felt like um, Run Lola Run at the beginning sequence when she's like stuck in that animation. Like that's how it felt like. And it, it, it just it felt like um, my entire reality was spinning out. And so like when I hear your stories, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad you had a good guide because I think if I had a good guide to take me through all that, I could have gone inward or done some, you, you know what I mean? Prepared like, yourself. I and, 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 and the thing is mm-hmm. that like, that's so messed up that he like gave that to you without you knowing. Was he sober? Yeah. No, he took oh it my too. God. So we were both tripping balls. Yeah. And like he took it and then he was like, before he told me, he took it and and I started like feeling a little bit funny. And then he was like, oh, I'm going to take, I'm going to drink a little bit more of this. No. And so he like quadruple dosed himself or whatever no, it was. No, the know? thing about like substance and experimenting with this type of stuff is that you have to know or have someone yeah. experience guide you through it because if not... It could take a very terrible turn. Yeah. And, and your health and your safety is compromised. Totally. And and this was like a few days before Christmas, um, not to go too far into it. But, you know, my my ex, he had like moved to New York and he was back for the holidays. And so we were supposed to go see my family. Um, my grandmother had just passed away. So I was already in the midst of like an existential crisis. Um, and I remember calling out to whatever God or the otherness or something to stop it. And I heard an empty chamber i just heard emptiness and i i fell i fell into like a very deep existential crisis from that day and it lasted for like a couple of years and also like i think um it dulled a lot of my senses because it was just too it was too much you know what i mean so color for the longest time was not as vibrant um like certain feels and touches were not as as strongly felt either and so a lot of that was just kind of um, dulled and it was taken away without my consent which then you know what i mean if i did this on my own and those were the side effects you know that's on me i i you know i'll take that in in hand but it was totally a surprise no you know because I mean? like your your ability and your right to choose was taken away from you and and so for me it's like i i come from the netherlands so yeah i am a firm believer that everything in moderation is okay yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Totally. Like you just have to know exactly what and nowadays drug use to me is a very spiritual experience. Like mm-hmm. I did actually have a memory where things did take a bad turn, but that was like a sequence of events. Like there was a month in my senior year where I took X, I think, once every week. And oh, wow. that was terrible. Like my serotonin levels were completely deprived. I felt so depressed. I felt, you know, but I think it was because I went to a rave and then I hosted two house parties and um, my big at the time in my co-ed fraternity, he was a big ex head. So he just loved doing it. And it was a great escapism for us college kids. But sometimes these these pills are laced with something else. You know, they're not clean. You know what I mean? They could be especially during our day. A hundred percent. So it's like your mood and everything could be thrown off. And so now I'm just like, okay, I appreciate these experiences, you know, just just appreciate them for like a once a year thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and then like because if you don't do it in moderation, if you abuse it, if you go overboard with it, it's not going to be any enjoyable. And then you're going to develop an addiction to it. You're going to have withdrawals. You're going to have a dependency on it. Right. So it's just like with everything else, like control. Right. Yeah, definitely. And and. Having good guides, very for sure. Being in the right environment, because I, you know, my husband has had a friend who sadly 
like they were on the beach somewhere and the tide came in and they passed away. Oh my God. Um, so you got to be careful. You got to be aware, you know, you got to be very aware of your surroundings. Um, you have to trust the people you're with. Um, and then honestly, sometimes like, you know, I was watching the show, um, I may destroy you, which really should be, be my unsolicited pick this week. Um, but if you're not watching it, please like get on HBO or HBO max and check it out because it talks about, um, a girl who basically gets drugged, um, and then goes through like a, a journey of finding out who drugged her. And, and, you know, deals with all of the shame and the pain and the um, flashbacks and the um, and the repression that you go through when something happens that's outside of your control, you know. Um, But anyhow, on that note, I, I think this is a good point to stop before we hit topic two, which is addiction. So we'll be right back after a short break, guys. Hi, Goatees. We love hanging out with you. And it's what we look forward to every single week. If you're liking what you're hearing, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It will help us a lot so we can continue to hang out every single week and make content for you. Thank you so much. And remember, stay horny. Welcome back, everybody. We are back with topic two of our discussion today, where we will be talking about addiction. 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 Priscilla, Mm -hmm. do you Mm -hmm. consider yourself somebody that has an addictive personality? You know... I was thinking about this a lot because, you know, you would ask me that and I was like, no, I don't. Mm. Um, but I I do sometimes wonder, I feel like I do have an addictive personality, um, but it was kind of stamped out by the way I was brought up. You know, uh-huh. I wasn't allowed to indulge myself. And so I'm very good at like you can put like a boba ice cream next to me. And if I don't, if I'm not supposed to in quotes eat it i will let it sit there and melt and i, I will like throw it away i won't eat it Dang, you know but it doesn't control. mean i don't want to yeah, yeah. But because i was controlled for so long right so but i think i do have a certain type of addictive personality like if i'm obsessed with something i'm completely obsessed with it but the way that i've been kind of fucked up is the more i love something the less i allow myself to do it so i love peaky blinders and every <laughs> every day i mean I don't know if you guys knew major about themes me. of the of the two horny goats is Peaky Blinders. I love I love Peaky Blinders and I love Lord of the Rings. Those are like my two like obsessions, you know. Um, but Abe was like, "Oh, we should just like rewatch Peaky Blinders," and I was like, "Totally." But I just haven't allowed myself all of quarantine, even though there's been plenty of time, because like I feel like if I love something too much, I ought not to. Mm. Like I don't know, it's a weird what? thing that happens. I know you resist and I think, it. Yeah. And I think the only area in which I don't do this is with like food and drink. Mm hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, how about you? Do you have an addictive personality? I do. Well, okay. I know. Actually, no, I don't. Like, I have an addictive personality, <laughs> not in the way that people think that okay. I do. Like, I, okay. I don't get addicted to alcohol. I don't get addicted to sugar. I don't get addicted to sex. I don't get addicted to whatever you think addiction is. Okay. My addictions are my thoughts. Interesting. You know, how so? like, yeah. I think, I think uh, overthinking is an addiction for me. Is that, no. is that weird? Is that weird? Is that weird? No. Like, does that make no. sense? No, because I don't think we call that out enough, because if you allow yourself to stay in that same loop, that can be just as unhealthy as any other addiction. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a codependency on needing to know things. Right. Or like a codependency on, uh, you, you know, people are like, oh, certain people, you know, if you're obsessed about someone or like you're obsessed about something at work or whatever. And I'm like, well, I think I'm obsessed about like this one aspect that I can't control. And, and so I obsessively try to create structure, you know, be very disciplined. It's like the same thing as you like your your method is restraint. I think yeah. mine is very similar. 
Like, like, you know, I managed to lose a lot of weight this year because of the quarantine. And then now that I'm back at work, I'm like, how do I maintain this? And I find myself like getting up every day and like, you know, intensely working out just to make sure I don't lose it. You know, but um, did I get enough sleep? I don't know. Was I up all night thinking about stuff? Maybe. You know what I mean? And totally. I feel like there's a good and bad to both aspects of that. Yeah. And I wonder if there's a I wonder if there's like a hard distinction between obsession and addiction or if they're kind of like on the same road, you know, mm. um, not not 100 percent sure, because I think then I think one of my addictions is just self hate, oh. like like, you know, talking to myself negatively, like negative self-talk constant. I'm addicted to it. And I have to like with my life coach, I'm constantly working on red flagging when that's happening, when I'm in that space, you know, mind like mindset where I'm doing it constantly and I have to call myself out for it. I need to like be aware of it and I need to stop. But it takes me time to stop because in certain ways it's so um, it's so like satisfying in a weird way, ironically. You know, what's interesting is that like I feel like we understand the surface aspects of addiction, like drug use, um, Mm -hmm. sex addiction or um, uh, alcohol addiction, substance abuse. But like deeper inside of us, it's like when I was my mom, you know, used to talk to me about my weight. Yeah, I was always obsessed with the fact that was I working out enough? Am I eating too much? You know, like I'm not even getting proper nutrients, but I was like starving myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's also an addictive personality. That's stuff that we have to recognize within ourselves to help change. Like eating disorder. It's a centering around like a type of addiction. Body dysmorphia. Right. Do you think, though, like, you know, because I think I know both of us with alcohol, it didn't start as an addiction. But like, I don't think we were like the type to just be like, I don't think we're trying to drink just to empty the bottle. I don't think we're trying to like, you know disappear i don't think we're you know i don't think we're using alcohol as that kind of um self-obliterating type of thing Mm -hmm. but over the years so now like now i've been drinking for like 10 years you know um and and honestly like pretty consistently the past seven like very consistently um do you feel like certain things can like sneak up on you and become an addiction even if it doesn't start that way it just becomes normalized into your routine like like back in your 20s you drink to get drunk you drink to feel that high yeah and now it's just like a normalized part of your everyday life like back in the 50s they would have a fucking martini in with lunch. At lunch or like yeah. you would have your your alcohol bar right in your office a client comes over you have a drink right right and this is stuff yeah. that is just sort of like imbued in aspects of our life that we probably don't recognize right away but i know for me when i lived with roommates i succumbed to that much more easily you know, if Rochelle was drinking, oh, I, I would want to have a drink with her. If you're drinking, I want to have a drink with you. But now that I'm by myself, like I probably drink maybe once a week. Wow. You know? So, yeah. So how did that? So you moved in by yourself and then you realized like you just your vault, your alcohol volume went down simply because you just didn't have to. Peer pressure, I think. But it's not mm-hmm. even that other people are pressuring me. It's just that I want to join in and it's like yeah. social smoking. You know, like one person has a cigarette, you have a cigarette, you're strangers, you become friends. Like is it's that aspect of like, oh, using yeah. this as a way to get closer yeah. to people. Right. Have you ever gotten to a concerning place with alcohol? Like, have you ever gotten to a place where you were like, oh, I need to back uh, it off? Yeah, I think that when my body started <laughs> aging. Yeah, really. Okay, so what was that like? What like, you know, you wake up one morning. First of all, guys, when you're when you turn 26, your hangovers start becoming like 
deathly terrible i know yeah. it's like i think back in my 20s or back in college i like my body's pretty tenacious like yeah. no matter how much i drink i wake up like ready to go the next day you know 7 a.m yeah. i feel fine i didn't even right. have to rehydrate myself but now it's just like your body feels sick you feel slower you feel bloated you feel fat yeah. you feel and you're just like is it worth it you know what yeah. i mean like and it, it definitely changed my productive hours because in college yeah. i would stay up you know my most productive hours were between 8 p.m. and 4 a.m. Always. That's when I edited. That's when I wrote. That's when I did homework. And mm-hmm. then I would sleep till noon and go to class, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized like in my 20s, like all of my 20s, I don't think I did anything productive in the evenings unless it was like a set rehearsal or a set gig or something, you know, or a set studio thing. Because I was oh, like once it was 7 p.m., I was drinking and it could be a lot. Or it could be it could be a beer with dinner um, or it could be a lot more than that. Right. But it all of a sudden, like my night owl tendency is like we're very unproductive. Yeah. And um, I, that's one of the things I do. I, I don't regret like what I did, but I do wonder like what I could have better how I could have better spent my time. I mean, how are you dealing with it now? And uh, what is it like with Abe? And how do you guys drink together? Like, tell me. Yeah, I think like once Abe and I started dating. So my husband, Abe. Um, we both enjoy going out to bars together, um, sitting at the bar, getting to know the bartender. Become My biggest feat in life is just becoming friends with bartenders so that we get one free shot. I don't care what happens. Like if we get one free thing, Abe is like, I know, like I walk out there with like the silliest, biggest grin. Like, you know what I mean? You um, won something. You know, I that was something. like 15 bucks that you got for free, you know? That's right. And even though you have to pay for it in tip, like it still feels good. You know what I mean? Like it still feels good. But he and I, we started started our relationship off and we were drinking a ton of Jameson. Like we would finish like one of those like giant, like, like liter size Jameson's like in like two or three days. Like, you know, I think part of it too is like me wanting to be like that cool girl that could always keep up. I could handle quite a bit of liquor. Like, and especially as like, uh, it was just kind of like amusing to people. Like I could drink and keep up with guys all night long, pretty much. Yeah, you're you like know? a little tank. Yeah. And so I think that's part of the problem with the culture, like in the Western world is like, well, I, I think in Asia too, but it's just like, if you can hold your liquor, it's, it's a point of pride. Um, also, if you drink, so, you're fun. You know, you're, you're like someone fun. fun to hang out with. You're cool. I'm a very loving drunk. You know, yeah. you've seen me. I'm like, I am a very loving drunk. I just get happier and happier. I just want everyone to be friends. Like I just, I, I'm sure I'm very obnoxious, but I'm a good, I'm a fun like person. You know, I don't really, I'm not prone to, you know, getting really dark and moody. I'm not really prone to getting like angry. Um, I'm just loving. That's like how I am. I just want to have a good time. Yeah. Um, and so, but I think a couple times in my life, like I think it's gotten um, better in, in maybe the past year. Um, all the quarantine is testing me. <laughs> it's testing me. Um, but the year that I got laid off from work is the closest. I think I became to being like an alcoholic, mm-hmm. like legitimately an alcoholic. Um, so I worked for a company called dog vacay. I was like employee number seven. Um, and by the time I, um, was laid off, I was the, like the employee number three cause other people had left. And so I had put so much of my twenties into, um, you know, into this company. I, I was there for, uh, I think about four years, maybe just under four years. 
And my my friend Nikki and I, we both got laid off on the same day. And immediately we went to a bar and I and she was like, what bar are we going to go to? It's 10 a.m. Like, where are we going to go? And I'm like, we're going to go to a hotel bar because hotel bars have no judgment and they don't open at five like some of these bitch asses. You know? <laughs> so we camped out at this like hotel bar and we drank like our weight in tequila. And then we came home and my my adorable husband, he had bought us. Uh, like a large pizza and another thing of tequila. So oh, we went off and polished fun. off that thing of tequila. Yes. And like then after that, she and I would just like call each other. We would meet up to like do our unemployment together and we would just start drinking at all hours of the day. That was like the most piece of shit I ever felt. That was the most I ever like, I would, I would say like lost control and actually like allowed myself to, to actively depend on alcohol Um, but it was a little scary. Like my health definitely took a toll. My sleep was not great. Um, I was like sluggish, like all the time. Um, and I, and then at a certain point, I, I wonder, like, I feel like your brain, your pleasure centers are fried out and I found no enjoyment from it anymore. (laughs) This is how, you know, you're old. Like you would much rather feel well rested, alert, (laughs) focused, you know, your skin is clear. You're well hydrated than like, yes. And it's like one night of fun. Is it worth it? Or do you want to feel fit? And do you want to feel good in the morning? And I think I finally saw like after probably two and a half months of drinking very heavily and it was like summer months. So like you can get away with it because summer's like, you know what I mean? You can drink at all times of day in the summer and kind of you can get a pass really easily. So I I realized like in the U.S., like it's very easy to be a functioning alcoholic without anyone really calling you out or realizing anything's wrong, because especially because I didn't have a job and I was living off unemployment for a few months, like no one was the wiser and I could drink at 10 a.m. at brunch and then go and drink at a at a beer brewery and then have a couple glasses of wine with dinner and then drink with my husband at night. And like no one would know how much I'd been drinking. And also it's like this vicious cycle because it's like hangover, hair of the dog, you know, and then it's like then then you develop a dependency towards it. You can't get out of bed without it. You know, you can't go to sleep without it. And then pretty soon your bills are racking up. I think that was another thing that made me stop was like this shit's expensive. It's so expensive. Yeah, it's so it's so expensive. And Yeah, I think the second time in my life where I think I almost became an alcoholic and lived amongst many very sweet, amazing alcoholics. And I mean this honestly in a very like loving way was when I was living in Ashland. Um, And and I think I thought musicians drank and I think musicians drink, but actors, they drink. (laughs) It's like a fishbowl, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, which is honestly not calling anybody out, but being in Ashland, being in that environment, being cut off from my community, the one way I felt like I could connect with people and I could continue to amuse myself and entertain myself was by drinking. And by the end of my time in Ashland, like I said, every bartender knew who I was, knew what drink I liked, would pour me double shots. And obviously the bartenders did that for a lot of the actors there, but I was going when the actors were in shows. So I was drinking like double time, you know, Um, I would bring a book to the bar And I just camp out there until my husband was out of his shows and I was gaining weight. And, you know, now by this time I'm 30, um, I was gaining weight. I was exhausted all the time. I was getting really depressed. Um, I saw no purpose for anything. I hated myself. The negative self-talk was at an all time high. And I do think alcohol um, increase if you suffer from anxiety, it increases your anxiety. It's a depressant, Um, too. Yeah. And I would say my husband and I both got into unhealthy spaces And so it made the first year of our marriage a lot more difficult 
than probably it needed to be. Because I think when you're drunk and you're trying to have conversations and the fact is, you know, in the mornings, uh, I, I like we wouldn't really see each other until after his shows. And so every time we're seeing each other, anytime we're having like a real conversation, we're either buzzed or we're drunk. Um, and that doesn't make for good communication habits. It doesn't make for like safe spaces to share your hopes and fears and desires. You know what I'm saying? So we went through more volatile moments than I think we needed to. And I'm not just blaming alcohol, but alcohol definitely exacerbated that. Um, and I think money wise, it ran us dry, you know, because we were drinking all the time because that's the only thing to do. Like there was very few other activities, especially in the evenings. Um, and so I look back on that time and I'm really glad that it's over. Um, but I'm aware I, I'm more aware than ever that I'm still very susceptible to a lot of the exact same things. You know what I mean? And a lot of my friends, there's like a huge wave of, of this, you know, with my friends in the most recent years where people have pledged sobriety now, like right. just gone completely clean. And I'm like, I get it. You know, like yeah. when you're when your dependency on 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 a substance goes way overboard and you lose sense of yourself you become very depressed. You know, you have a lot of yeah. mental health issues, a lot of emotional health issues. Like this is like a really clean slate to just sort of start over again. And totally. I think at the end of the day, it's like a huge theme about what comes up in, you know, what we talk about on this podcast is just balance. Balance. Yeah. Right. Being and I know some people with really addictive personalities, they can't just have one beer. Right. Like, yeah. I think I think where you and I are, we're, we are very fortunate and very privileged. We're like that addictive quality it doesn't like it isn't pervasive in our lives you know mm -hmm. like we can just have a glass of wine and then just be done but i know that there are people where like moderation is not an option just right. because of and you know I, and i have friends like this in my life where i see it you know if they have one they'll have to have the bottle and i understand i understand to an extent like why they have to be sober but i i do also think like it is very difficult to set a rubric for oneself um, because when is too much, too much? And when is it still moderation? So I think, yeah. we, you know, because I'm sure like when I was young, having one beer at Yard House was like, oh, my God, a night of drinking, you know. But now it's like if I don't have five shots of some sort of scotch and then like two things of beer and then maybe like a fernet to finish the <laughs> night, I'm like, did we even drink? Yeah. And so like what what we call moderation, I think, depending on your lifestyle and your habits, that needle can continue to move to either extreme very slowly until suddenly you're at an extreme. And I, I think that's where I found myself, which is why I'm like, I get, I get it. You know what I mean? Like sometimes moderation doesn't work for certain people. For sure. And it really depends on like your lifestyle and how you choose to live. Like for me, like I'm not the type that would like if I had a bottle of wine, I wouldn't have one glass a day. I would save it for one night where I get to drink the whole bottle, whole bottle, you know, whole bottle. And I was yep. just like, whole bottle. I was like, I'm having fun now. You know what I mean? I'm having yep. fun now. Not just getting a little totally. tipsy going all the way tipsy from my one night of fun, you know? So it's definitely like how you budget it out, you know, but I do think that everybody's moderation relativity ruler is different, but yep. Um, you know, I just think that life is a growing process of like trying to understand what your limitations are and like working through it. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. Ugh. Well, I'm so glad like we were able to talk about this and like, I feel like, you know, if you guys are struggling with any sort of addiction, like, please, it's okay to ask for help it, whether that's friends or a professional, like, please reach out and find the help that you need. And, yeah. and we're really not trying to shame anybody. You just got to 
be in the life that you want to live. And if it's inhibiting you from living that life, like there's no shame in getting help. You and can talk to us to tweet at us, even DM privately. Yeah. Talk, talk to us. And if you have a story to share or, you know, if some of our stories kind of unlodged, like something in your mind, um, send us a voice memo to hello at two horny And we might play it here on the show because I think it's really helpful to continue sharing with each other. We love you guys. We love you guys. Okay, so Priscilla, what time is it? It's time for... (laughs) Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, what are your picks this week? Okay, um, so I have a friend named Quincy. Shout out to Quincy. He runs another podcast called Asian Americana. Um, One of my really good friends here in LA. And he is like the Thai uh, restaurant master. Mm. Like LA has a ton of Thai restaurants. If you live in the East Hollywood area or like in Los Feliz, like I do, you'll be very, very close to Thai town and you can basically throw a rock and hit like a million great Thai restaurants. But the problem is people don't always know, including myself, what the specialty of the house is. And that is the key thing, right? So he, um, so Quincy recommended a couple to me and we have done our research for you guys. Roxy and I do our research. Yep. We ordered takeout from a couple of these places and this spot called Lacha Somtum, I don't know if I'm saying it right. I, I'm definitely not. But we're including it in the show notes. Lacha Somtum, um, it's it's like in the Thai town area and they're known for their papaya salads. <gasps> so, you know, usually you go to a Thai place and they have one papaya salad and it's like, OK, either you have peanuts on it or you don't. You know what I mean? Um, but this place has like an entire page of I want to say like 12 to 15 different types of papaya salad. Is that what Somtum is? I think so. Oh, yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. 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 One of the words means papaya salad. <laughs> I, I'm guessing it's Somtum if you know it. Right. But they also have great boat noodles. Um, they've got great curries. But like so they have a deep fried papaya salad. They have a, a deep fried catfish papaya salad, <gasps> which is like a catfish that's been like dried and fried and then like crushed and then you pour it on top of the papaya salad so as you're eating it it's like crunchy Mm. so you get like you know the freshness of the papaya salad the acidic um, sweetness of it but then you also get this kind of like more earthy slightly oily crispy crunchy element of like the fried catfish wait so how many of these papaya salads have you had um just the one but he (laughs) said to get the deep fried one next oh wow he actually recommended the deep fried one but i wanted to try like the daoti like i wanted to you know just just see what the baseline is so i'm definitely going to continue ordering from there um it's not too expensive to be honest and it was one of the best meals i've had all week oh my god amazing um, I had another recommendation here, but like I said earlier, I just really, really want to recommend um, I May Destroy You on HBO Max. It is a revelation, like truly a revelation. If you haven't seen it, it it's uh, uh, some of my friends who are like um, dramaturgical experts. They they wax poetic about it all the time. I'm not an expert on that, but please go up and re- and read up on it. But it's um, Michaela Cole who I believe was in like a Netflix show called like chewing gum, but she's really come into her own voice. Um, It it, it talks a lot about consent. It talks a lot about being a millennial, like kind of this uh, social media generation. Um, It talks a lot about dealing with trauma, um, repressing pain to have a good time. A lot of things that we talked about today um, are definitely expounded upon in the show. So I highly recommend it. And it's fresh. It's very fresh, like structurally, it almost like uh, at first when I was watching it, I was like, uh, I don't really understand like the structure of the show. But then I realized, oh, they're actually doing something different. They're actually approaching like 
even like the how they directed the actors it's a little bit different it's a little bit fresh because she directed a lot of the episodes herself you know so it's like stylistically very powerful and it happens in london and who doesn't love london <laughs> london um, keeps coming back in this conversation today i know oh, this is good old british boys <laughs> one day we're gonna be two morning outs coming from london oh my god amazing cucumber sandwich yes okay rocks how about you what are your unsolicited picks today all right y'all so i'm currently in salt lake city so i'm gonna give a couple of joints some shout outs since i'm gonna be here for a little bit i think i'm still here for about like a month and a half so i was craving major community when i came here because i was just like where are my asian people at you know when i see asian people i'm like yo you're my fams you know and they're just like what who are you talking you know you like, just like do the handshake and they're like what what are you and you're like no the handshake, <laughs> the handshake. i'm like uh, you know and granted i really 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 do love it here like everybody here is so nice but there is like this one chinatown plaza because oh, it's just god. a plaza like that's oh my all god. they have like it's not a town it's just a plaza oh my and, god um they I'll have take it. yeah they have like a jojo you know they have like a 99 ranch and then <gasps> they um, do we have meat fresh which is where i got the dohua yeah oh. and they also so they having meat fresh which is like um you know it's grass jelly taro balls like it's, oh. it's good but then um basically like I was with my friend Alan who's my DP and he's also you know half Taiwanese and I'm currently in quarantine right now but before my quarantine I was like craving like some good old Asian food before I get locked away and then there's this place that's new called Hero Hot Pot and it's Szechuan style Yuanyang Guo (gasps) so it's like half broth spicy Szechuan broth and then half bone broth for the mild and then it's all you can eat and they have fresh made noodles and like they have more variety than a lot of the hot pot places in Los Angeles. And what? they also have suan mei tang, plum, <gasps> plum tea to, for you to have with your um, oh hot pot. Gosh. And like Alan was just like his snot. Was, I'm sorry, Alan, I'm outing you out on this. But, you know, he was suffering so much, but he loved the spicy and they have brisket and wayu. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so they're fancy. It is fancy. They have pork belly, beef belly, like everything that you could, that you could want. And wow. we just had like the best time there. Um, and so Shit. me like having that food, like for my God, I am just so crazy. If I have good food, I sleep well and I'm happy. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, like it fulfills your planet pleasure centers in a way that like no drug no is necessary. Drug can, no, no, no. Absolutely yeah. not. Like just, yeah. um, you know what I mean? Yes. Like just treat your body well. And so we had a lot of veggies. We had a good protein, low carbs, and we went to meat fresh afterwards. Oh and my gosh. We shared a dessert, and I was just like, "This is the life," you know. Like, <laughs> and also it's just like walking distance from my house. And now that I'm in quarantine, I can't go, so it is just torture. So Hero Hot Pot in Salt Lake City, highly recommend. The people there are lovely, and in Salt Lake, you could actually eat inside. So like. <gasps> being able i know it's weird but like alan was saying you know he's like there's ventilation because you know hot pot and like all the yeah you know Mm -hmm. and he goes so i feel better about that um because like we can't have shabu or hot pot yet at restaurants in la so i really missed it and it's all you can eat and you can't experience it the same either like you're at home with your family and doing that or at a restaurant you can't there's no like in between for that there's no you know what i mean you know what's crazy was that you know the sauce bar yeah they have a sauce bar where you can self-serve wait really i know and then they just ask that they have a hand sanitizer bottle there and they're like 
please use it before you use the soft serve and after self serve and after use. And that that like sounds like me, another world. <laughs> I know. I was just like that gave me major anxiety. But you know what? At the end, if I got my sata jiang, like I will have my sata with that. my with yeah. my you know mana huo Like oh I will my eat gosh. that. Like oh, that sounds uh, so fucking good. Doesn't though. It sound amazing. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Okay, and then of course, like being in Utah, you have to go to the national parks. Yeah. Um, I haven't had any time to explore, but Zion's my favorite. It looks like Mars. If you're ever crossing through Southern oh. Utah, make sure you visit. There's also Bryce Canyon, Monument Valley, there's Moab, and there's like um, an even bigger one. Anyways, I still have to explore a lot of them. Hopefully. I'm so embarrassed to say that I've been sleeping on like the Utah Oh my God, Utah's you know beautiful, I mean? Priscilla. Yeah. You must visit. I'm coming right now. I'm going to get in the car. Okay, bye guys. No, okay. no seriously, a lot I'm of productions have moved up here, but I am surprised by how many of my friends are all up here. Like, wow. you know, um, another, uh, another uh, you know, there's at least... A good amount of my production friends are up here because Salt Lake's constantly shooting. Yeah, what's going on? Is it just because they can... For sure, no one's shooting in Los Angeles. That's what's oh, going on. Oh, I see. So this is like the closest they can kind of go where it's like open enough to actually get some stuff done. Exactly. And you oh know, this gosh. this company I'm shooting with, this is their second show here in like two months. Yeah. So it's like they just did this all COVID safely like previously and then... You know, so the procedure is all the same and I'm coming into it, but they're all experienced for this. So I feel much safer, wow. you know. So, OK, how was the Suan Mei Tang? <laughs> it could be improved. Oh, really? Yeah, I would say. I, I think as a Taiwanese person, like we have high standards. For we that. have high standards. It has to be real Suan. You know what I yeah. mean? It has mm-hmm. to really have that sour plum flavor. And I feel like they're they were a bit tepid about it for the sake of a Western <laughs> You know. I got you because it's uh, yeah, it's definitely a taste you have to kind of get used to. You For know? sure. I want it's, it real sour. Right. It's soulful. It's it's childhood. It's, you know, it's country. I know. It's nostalgia. Totally. 100 percent. And it's like, I don't know, I feel like Chinese people or, you know, Asian people love being able to enjoy things that don't like it's like you got to work for it. You got to work to to get yourself to a place where you enjoy it. Like like you're kind of proud when you wake up one day and you're like, oh, I like this now because you're not born loving per se, you know. But like, I feel like we like to work up to a point where we can like feel accomplished and be like, and yeah, also bitch, it's like challenging I like it. other people to like it too. Like it's almost yeah. like having a secret. You know what I mean? It's yes. like, I know the secret of why I appreciate this. I see the beauty in this. But do you? Do you? Yes. Well, on that note, Roxy, can you pull a card for us? Because I think we need Uh, some good. I think we need some good vibes, girl. Come on, universe. Give us some good. good. Give us. Give us some good. Good this year. Bitches. Okay. All right. Lay it out. The cards that came out for this week is the nine of wands and the nine of wands talks about challenges. So, you know, oh, the great. nine of wands in <laughs> traditional right away tarot, it shows a man who has gone through war. And so he's bandaged up. He's exhausted. He's tired. But the thing about this man is that he's not going to give up. So oh. he's still going to keep fighting. So the nine of wands, you know, it's the nine and the ten. The ten is like the ending of a cycle, right? He's not there oh. at the ten yet. He's at the nine. So he's almost Whoa. there at the end of his challenges and he knows that he can't give up now so i feel like this is extremely relevant to like how we're feeling right now with these totally. this extreme weather 2020 we're in the last quarter of the fucking year you know twice, we feel twice. like this man who's battered and gone through war and he's exhausted but he's still looking towards the future he understands that the challenges may still be coming but he's gonna persevere 
So holy shit, this is a message for everybody who feels like they're going through that nine of wands energy. Just know that like we will get through this in some shape or form, you know, so just keep doing it. Stay positive. So we're getting through. We yeah. gonna get through. We gonna make it together, goatees. We gonna get through together. Okay? We're gonna do it by having a horny week, right? <laughs> Have a horny week, our lovely goatees. And remember, stay, stay horny. horny. We love you. We love you guys. Stay safe out there. This podcast is hosted by Roxy and Priska. Music by Abraham Kim. Artwork by Connie Yen. Please visit us at twohornygoats.com. Have thoughts or questions for us? Email us at hello at twohornygoats.com. Wasting time believing lies. This week's outro music features our friend Alpha's song Fool's Gold. Fool's Gold is a ballad for the world weary. A reminder not to give in when you start to feel like you don't matter. Like everything you do makes no difference. It's a reminder that everyone is unique and, despite feelings of unworthiness, every life matters to someone else. If you're hoping hard or waiting for someone who can tell you what you're Between truth